BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. Every day of basketball's playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part? It's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, Go to pools and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Spurs Cast, episode 612. My name is Paul Garcia and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Jonas Clark. In this episode, Jonas and I will discuss the ending of the regular season, the team adding Daquan Jeffries, and we'll, re- we'll preview the 9 versus 10 game between the Spurs and Grizzlies Wednesday. Let's go ahead and get started with this episode. Jonas, how have you been? I've been good, Paul. How are you? 
I've been doing well myself. You know, let's, let's go jump right into this episode because we've got a lot to talk about here with the um, ending of the regular season for the Spurs, uh, going over a player that they actually acquired for the team, and then also, um, you know, discussing a deep dive here on, on this playoff series against, not playoff series, but playing a game against Memphis. So let's first begin with where I last uh, left off recording on the Spurs cast, which was uh, four games to go to end the regular season. The Spurs did go 0-4 in these last four games. Uh, the first game, uh, let's go back to Wednesday a week ago. Uh, where, where it looks like the Spurs, uh, not the Spurs, the Nets actually took care of business in this game against the Spurs. You know, the Nets were favored. They won by 12 points in this one. Uh, no, Kyrie, no, no Kyrie Irving for Brooklyn. The Spurs had the majority of their players, uh, you know, that are healthy. And then um, the Spurs did show by 19, but Brooklyn basically took care of business. The following night on a Thursday, um, the, 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 the Knicks actually, um, this is a bad loss for the, for the Spurs against the New York Knicks. They went to, to New York to play the Knicks. Uh, they lost by four points. And the reason why I would say this is a bad loss is because of the lead that the Spurs had. They held a 17-point lead in this game, and they ended up letting, uh, allowing the Knicks to come back. The Knicks, who are a team who, who, who don't make many threes, they ended up actually making a bunch of threes in this game, and that's how they were able to make that comeback against the Spurs. Then on Saturday, um, over the weekend, the Spurs played a back-to-back against the uh, the Phoenix Suns in, in San Antonio for both of those games. The first uh, loss was was a pretty much understandable blowout. The Spurs lost by 37 points. And the reason why I say that is because Phoenix was pretty much fully healthy. They were only missing DeAndre Ayton. And right. the Spurs were, were, were missing you know, DeJounte Murray, DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Perto, and, and Rudy Gay. Coach Pop set those players out. Uh, and then and then on Sunday it was more of a close loss for the Spurs where the the Suns actually sat um, Chris Paul Devin Booker and, and Jay Crowder and then um, Coach Monty Williams monitored the minutes for the Suns Coach Pop as well you know was monitoring the, the rotation minutes he just wanted to make sure players get warmed up you know get some shots up and then he wanted to make sure nobody got hurt in this game just because the playing game was approaching so basically he he rested a lot of the core players there in the fourth quarter and and that bench unit did make a comeback but they couldn't quite uh, win this game so so the Suns won by two so what are some of your thoughts on on these last four games wrapping up the season i mean they they, they went the way you expected them to um i don't i, I think that uh we weren't fa- they, they weren't favored in any game down this stretch and you're going up against the top teams in the east you go back a couple years ago i mean these aren't the old knicks these aren't the old nets uh these aren't the old Suns. uh each one of those teams upgraded this off season um of course the, the nets didn't have to, to do a whole lot but just kind of sit back and wait for uh, Kyrie and Kevin Durant to come back. Of course, the addition of James Harden definitely <laughs> helps their cause as well. And they got him back just in time to play for, play against the Spurs. And so, um, it's it was good for the depth of this team coming down the stretch. To once you once the team secured the play in spot, and I think you can kind of call it a playoff game because it in a sense is yeah, it's it winner is. go mm-hmm. home. Um, but once that was secured, you know, thank you to, to the Grizzlies who now you have to go up against for, for knocking out the Kings. And, um, once that was secured, you go ahead and give some of your veterans some rest, uh, give Jakobertel who's been beasting down the stretch, uh, in, in every element of his game, including his addition of the free throw shooting. Um, and, and he had a double double again the other night, which he should always be there. Uh, but you got to give those guys some rest, and that means that you get to bring in the younger core who spent some time in Austin together. Uh, the communication's great. The experience is even better. And um, I think that's going to bode well for the Spurs. Uh, if they're able to get past Memphis and, ha- and turn this into a playoff, you know, you end up going into a playoff series, it's good to have those guys a little bit warmed up. 
Yeah, for sure. And kind of something you mentioned there too was like even even in that Saturday game against the Suns, we saw that Coach Pop wasn't even on the bench because he went to the Tim Duncan ceremony yep. for the Hall of Fame. And the only reason why he did he made that decision is because of that Thursday night decision when they when they ended up locking in that 10th seed. Uh, he basically you know he 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 was able to 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 take some time away from the team to go celebrate with Timmy for that. So uh, let's look at how how the Spurs finished the, the the end of the regular season. They did finish with the uh, 33 wins and 39 losses, so 10th out west. Um, they finished with uh, 19th overall on offense and then um, on defense 15th. That was kind of a bummer because this team had actually been really good on defense this year. You know, they were about 9-10 for the majority of the year as Spurs cast listeners have listened this entire season. But then there, mm-hmm. right at the end there, because of part, partially just they, they were just exhausted they were, and they were playing a lot of really good teams down the stretch. And then also kind of what you mentioned, Jonas, you know, Coach Pop was make sure, making sure to monitor the minutes of different players. So then we saw that the, that over on the, on the stat sheet, it's going to look like, oh, this is, a, this is a league average defense. But we know that at their best, they were about a 9 uh, a nine through ten um, best defense, and you uh, lose one of your best defenders. Yeah, oh, I mean, for sure. And Derek, Derek yeah. White not being on the court uh, is going to hurt you both offensively and defensively. That's hard to over. I mean, I understand that we're still kind of young in this new era of Spurs basketball, but Derek White is a catalyst on both sides of the court, and he does make that big of a difference. Yeah, especially you know, first for one on defense, like you mentioned, you know, he just he just fills in so many holes there, and then also on offense too, just all their three point shooting has completely disappeared the last two weeks since he's been out and got got hurt against Washington. So that's gonna it's gonna be something we're gonna talk about here in that in that playoff preview against Memphis, uh, and then also some some other notes about ending the regular season because the Spurs and Charlotte Hornets finished with the, with an identical record, um, they're actually going to be in, in play for a coin flip to determine who gets the eleventh slot in the lottery uh, when when they do the the, the lottery odds, and, and that, that'll only be in play if as long as the Spurs and, and Hornets don't get into the um, the, the, the eight seed if they if they both if, if they were to actually do well and and win these playoff these playing games well then they can end up eight seed and that that kind of ruins their odds there but if they don't well then they're going to both there's going to be a coin flip for that for that eleventh slot in the lottery uh, and then as we've kind of mentioned here the Spurs are going to play the Memphis Grizzlies on on Wednesday in the nine versus ten game if they are able to pull out that win well then they would move on to a Friday game against either the loser of the Lakers and Warriors so so again they have to win two games here in the play in scenario in order to move on if they lose one of these games that's that's it. They're out. Their season is over. Yep. So um, let's talk about some player news. Uh, you know, this is really pretty interesting. On Saturday, the Spurs, um, you, you know, um, claimed uh, Dequan Jeffries from the free agent waiver. So the way this works is when, when a player gets waived, a team um, has 48 hours to claim that player. So that was the case with Jeffries. He got waived by the by the uh, Houston Rockets on a Thursday. And so right right at that 48-hour deadline on Saturday, uh, the Spurs actually picked up uh, Jeffries. And, and when you pick up a player by claiming him off, off the waivers, you actually you actually uh, get his, his full contract for, for all them remaining years. So so Jeffries was was finishing getting um, 1.4 million this year. Next year he has a player op, not a player option, a team option for 1.7 million. And then the following year the Spurs can actually make him a restricted free agent in the 22-23 mm-hmm. season. So as we know, you know the season's already over. The regular season he didn't play any of these games. He's not even with the team for this playing game against Memphis. Uh, but this is more so a move that kind of gives the Spurs some flexibility in terms of just kind of looking at a player, see what see what he can do. Uh, it's more like a summer type of move, an early summer type of move. Um, so what, what he can do is basically the Spurs can now get him in their own gym and they can start working out with them, see what see what he can offer the team. Uh, if, if there's a summer league, uh, you know he'll he'll be he'll probably be able to participate in that. And the team basically, uh, according to his contract net right now, he has the Spurs have till July 31st to decide if they want to pick up his 1.7 million dollar player option for next year, or if they don't pick up that team option, well then he, then he gets waived, and then of course he would be an unrestricted free agent. And this is more so the Spurs. We, we know that the Spurs, this Spurs team, as we've talked about all year, they need a lot of shooting from three, and, and this is what Jeffries provides. He's a six five shooter who played this season with the Kings and then with the Houston Rockets. Fifty six percent of his shots came from the three-point line um 30 percent of his shots from the paint and then seven percent of his shots from from mid-range um so, so what, what did you think about the, the about the, uh you know the, them just picking up jeffries more so to ha- have as an option for this offseason 
I think it's an option, and I think it's also uh, this is an Austin move. Um, Jeffries played last year the truncated uh, nineteen twenty season. Uh, I spent a lot of time with the Stockton Kings, and he was really on fire uh, coming down the stretch there in February. He had back-to-back games of uh, over 20 points, even a high, I believe a season high of 33 points. Um, and and six foot five, and you can go up and down the Spurs roster and just check off the six, uh, six or seven other guys that we have six foot five, you know, uh, the 215 pound range and, and, uh, so ability to score, uh, some shoot, uh, somewhat ability to shoot, but I think this is another one of those maybe project pieces getting ready for the, uh, the eventual departure of your Patty Mills and your uh, Rudy Gay's, and how else do you flesh out that roster? And I think that uh, you know he's obviously Jeffries has earned an opportunity at the next level. Um, spending some time with the Kings in 20 and then uh, with the Rockets, I believe, earlier this year and then um, the Kings as well this year. So there's something, and there's something going on with the Spurs and the Kings because there's Chemezi Metu's found his way with over there with the Kings. Robert Woodard II spent his time in the Gubble this year with Austin. And uh, there's just this kind of, and then now you've got Daquan Jeffries uh, on the Spurs. And so there's something that the two organizations have going back and forth, uh, whether it's systematic scheme kind of flow that they're liking what they're seeing from elsewhere. Uh, I like the, the the Jeffries signing. I think this is great. And I don't think, again, I don't think that it's as a, a, a real San Antonio move. I think this is more of an Austin move with uh, that could pay dividends uh, on, the, on the back end. Um, for San Antonio next year or even the year after, as you allude, we have the contract rights to him. Yeah, and I, I really think it's a low cost, uh, a low risk move, should I say? Because again, you know, like you know, when when, when I was plugging his numbers, I, I on the Project Spurs we have our cap sheet there, and I have one scenario with with all the um, you know, the, the options gone from players, uh, and it's like you know, it's only basically like you just reduce like one point seven million if if uh, if he's right. there, and then if also uh, Drew Eubanks is the same case where he doesn't have a guaranteed deal for next year, but uh, even though I think Eubanks will, will stay with the team. Oh, he's so anyway, his way. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so it's a it's a it's a low risk move for the Spurs if they keep him. You know, it's it's not going to harm their max cap space. That they're going to have, they're still going to have a lot of cap space to offer these, you know, these free agents that they're targeting, whether it's like a Jared Allen, a Laurie Markinen, or someone like that, and they still have enough room. And so, and, and if they if they strike out in free agency, well, then guess what? Jeffries is there as a shooter because we know this team is going to need a shooter, need some right. shooting next year, and especially like you mentioned, Jonas, two of their the, two of their best, not not best, but two of their top three three point shooters. Well, Patty actually is their best one, I guess you would say. Uh, Patty and Rudy, some of the two of their volume three point shooters, they're going to be gone. They could be gone from this team if they don't get resigned by the Spurs. So yeah, this is a, this is a good um, option to have in, in the back end and whether whether it's whether they, they don't make it in the summertime before july 34th so they just maybe um you know give give jeffries a shot next year well then again i think it's a very low risk move for this team that's going to need some shooting and maybe you know might, might as well start start looking at shooters now uh even though the season's not quite over just yet so 100%. so now let's jump here yeah, so let's jump right here into our, our Spurs versus Grizzlies preview. So let's first go go through like kind, of, kind of like a matchup history of how these teams have played um, this season, and kind of some notes that I've seen this from from the two ga- from the three games that they played against each other, but then also kind of what what also reflects the data from from their overall seasons, both teams. So so first of all, the Spurs did go one and two this season against the Grizzlies. We should note though that these teams have not seen each other since February first. That was a very long time ago. It's almost mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much three months ago from now. Um, the first also, half the, of the season. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so. The Spurs have not seen the Grizzlies yet this season with Jaron Jackson Jr., so that that's something to watch. And then also the the Grizzlies haven't faced the Spurs.
Rangers without Lamarcus Aldridge. So so Aldridge is actually um, you know on the team for all three of those games against Memphis this year. And now all of a sudden you know he's not even part of this team anymore because we know that he's, he's you know he had to retire um, early. Right. Um, due to the medical condition, unfortunately. So, um, you know, let's go back to opening night. That's when they first played. Um, you know, both teams played well in this game. They, they held a each team held a double digit lead, and the Spurs were the ones who ended up um, winning that game. It was it was pretty much a lot of scoring for both teams. Uh, in game two, this one went to the Grizzlies on on January thirtieth. Uh, the Grizzlies led by as many as nineteen points. They ended up winning by seventeen. Then in game three, um, it was on February first. Um, the Grizzlies pretty much dominated this one. They led and won by thirty-one points. So it was like, it was kind of like a blowout. So some themes on offense that I saw. These are both some good and bad stuff that I've seen from the Spurs. One thing they did well in these three games was they were actually able to to make a lot of threes against Memphis. Um, they made about ten to thirteen threes in those those three games. They shot about thirty-five to forty-five percent. That's more than their season average. They did struggle to finish in the paint. Um, they, they usually finish with accuracy about forty-two to fifty-six percent accuracy in the paint against Memphis, and then um, they they move the ball well. So they're, they're able to move the ball against the Grizzlies' defense. Uh, they averaged about between twenty-five and twenty-eight assists in those three games. And then something the Grizzlies did pretty well, and also it, it reflects in their data is, is they they don't let the Spurs have too too many um, mid-range attempts. They they don't let right. a lot of their opponents shoot a lot of mid-rangers. So, what are some of your thoughts on, on um, you know this matchup? For, first, let's focus on offense for the Spurs against the Grizzlies' defense. I mean. They're going to have to bring it. The Spurs are defensively because you can't just let John Morant go off, um, and and you've got to, you've got to deal with him. But then you've also got to deal with Jonas Valanciunas in, in the paint, and, and that's going to be a tough task for Jakob Pertl. Now he's again, Jakob has grown a lot this season, um, and, and this it's as as you mentioned, it's been a long time since these two teams have seen each other. It's almost like two separate teams. Uh, especially when you factor, again, the Spurs' absence of Derek White, uh, which is just a huge impact. But the rookies have come along. Uh, you're, you're bringing up Trey Jones is getting some more minutes. Evan Bissell kind of starting to find his own way. And I like the addition. Uh, this this matchup, I like the addition of uh, Gorgie Jang here because I think that he's somebody who can stick with a Brandon Clark a little bit better than, than Rudy Gay. Uh, I, I just think that Gorgie's brought it a little bit better um, coming down the stretch. And, I mean, this is this is a matchup we've got to get used to. It was uh, just last year in the bubble that uh, we were able to handle the Grizzlies there, I believe, in the, in the one, or, one game that we faced them earlier on. And this is a hungry Grizzlies team because they went in last year in in the NBA bubble they had a playoff spot and then they went in and they they had to play the games and then they lost it in the end they didn't even get to play in in, in a play in game they just 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 the bubble series uh and they they lost their their chance at the postseason so John Moran's trying to get there and uh I think that they're right on the cusp uh the Spurs are gonna have to bring everything and that means DeMar DeRozan uh, mid-range game has to be on point. DeJounte Murray, you've got to you have to you know hit your mid-range shots because you've got to mm-hmm. do what you do best and and we don't have the three-point shooting that we had earlier. It, 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 it's it's going to be difficult. Yeah, for sure. I think that's so there's two things that you mentioned there. I think Gorgie might end up playing a huge role here just because of what you mentioned about about how he, how he faces up against these these player these uh, his opponents, but also the fact that he knows this Grizzlies team. He know these were his former teammates this season already. Mm-hmm. And so he knows, you know, their strengths, their weaknesses and he knows maybe he'll give his teammates some info on, you know, what, what does this guy do well? What does this guy not do well? You know, what what are they expecting to do here? So Gorgie's going to be huge there whether whether it's on the floor or, you know, just helping out I guess like strategy-wise and coaching-wise uh with with the players that are on the on the court cuz he knows this team so well. 
well. And then uh, something you mentioned there was like, yes, I mentioned that you know they made ten to thirteen threes in these games, but also we know that you know currently you know this Spurs team is struggling for the three point line. So even right. if those shots are still there this 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 time come around on Wednesday, that we don't know if they're going to make them at that at that kind of rate uh, or, or at, at that kind of accuracy percentage. So now let's look at some themes on defense that I saw from from this from these three these two teams uh, throughout the year at those three games. Um, one thing that that's pretty consistent is this Spurs team cannot slow down this Memphis unit uh, in these three games. Um, you know, in just one of the twelve quarters that they. Played against each other, the Spurs only held them below twenty-five points in just in just one of them, basically one at one mm-hmm. out of twelve quarters. The Grizzlies averaged between one hundred nineteen to one hundred thirty-three points in all three games. Uh, the Grizzlies dominated in the paint, and that's not something that they just did against the Spurs. They did that against every single team in the NBA because they are the number one scoring team in the paint this year. Uh, they averaged about 56 to 66 points in, in the paint against the Spurs, and they also finished well, making um, 59 to 62% of their paint shots. So that's going to be you know that's gonna be something for, for Jakob Pertl there with his rim protection and, and all the other, the other help defenders. Uh, one thing the Spurs did well defensively is they did not put the Grizzlies on the free throw line. The, the Grizzlies didn't get too many free throws against the Spurs this year. One thing to watch is the Spurs are a pretty good transition defensive team but sometimes that can lead to their losses if they're not if they're not on their game they're mentally focused and you know really communicating and that was something Memphis took advantage of was the fact that they really scored well on the break they do that for, for the season too as well they do that very well they average about 13 to 25 points in fast break points they also cashed in Memphis on turnovers they average about 17 to 30 points off those turnovers from the Spurs in their three games so that's something to watch too is ball security making sure the Spurs are making the, the, the most correct decisions they can when moving the ball and just be careful not to have turnovers because if not, the Grizzlies are going to cash in on those. And then something else is that even though Memphis is a low-volume three-point shooting team, they are excellent at generating wide-open threes. And the main reason for that is John Moran. He's, he's so good at getting to the paint and carving up your defense that he, yeah. in those three games against the Spurs, Memphis, about 53 to 89% of their threes were, were basically um, wide-open threes that they got to shoot in those games against the Spurs. So, so what are some of your thoughts on the Spurs' defense? It, it's, again, it's going to be... T- tough it's going to come down to communication these are this is a young group and that's where again when you look at these last four games and how much the youth got time on the court together uh that's going to be vital it's going to be vital here because uh yeah just this sheer athleticism alone uh that memphis is bringing it's going to be tough and then you've got a guy who like kyle anderson Mm -hmm. uh who, who who is a He's a great offensive weapon, uh, kind of like a hybrid where he can, you know, he scores inside, he scores outside, but he's also uh, very tough on the defense. He's going to bring it on the defensive side too, so he's going to get his minutes, and, and, and I think that he likes to play San Antonio because it's kind of the, you know, thank you for getting me here, but look what i become as well. And uh, the, the Memphis defense is going to be tough, and, and it's going to be a tough uh, assignment often, and, you know, defensively for the Spurs um to just to deal with them and uh, inside and outside uh what else <laughs> what else do you do yeah uh you know it's gonna come down to communication and it's the little things at this point uh this is kind of like your your end of the year exam if you will show mm-hmm. the fans show coach how much you've learned uh through this point and and it's not like you're going up up against the the suns you know, you're not, you know, who are a, a, a top seed. You're not going up against the Nets, who are top seed. This is somebody who's right in the same wheelhouse as you. Uh, and it, it's a good benchmark, I think, for for how much um, how, how much potential this team can have moving forward as currently constructed. 
Yeah, something I'm going back to right now, just because you mentioned it's kind of like a final exam for this team, is something that DeJounte Murray actually said today that you and I are recording this on a Tuesday. Uh, the Spurs had shoot-around in the morning, and Tom Osborne from the Express News um, um, tweeted this. He says that um, DeJounte, on, basically it's like a Game 7 on the one-and-done kind of game coming up. He said, it's going to be fun, it's going to be a gritty game, and if you aren't built for these games, it's going to show. So that's something that DeJounte right. said today. That's, you know, this is it. The players are going to get tested in this game on Wednesday. It's basically like a winner-go-home. It's like a Game 7 here uh, for them. And I think something to watch though something very interesting when i was looking at the data was that the grizzlies are a low volume three-point shooting team they don't take a lot of threes only 31 attempts per game and they're 20th in accuracy so that's a good sign for the spurs because when they play when they play a lot of teams that are that are low volume it gives them a chance because they can either tie that opponent at the three-point line or even win the three-point line battle however like i mentioned earlier the, Gri- the grizzlies are so good at actually generating wide open threes and you know they're eighth right. in doing that and so the reason why i say that stat is so important is because that kind of shows a lot of success or failure for the spurs team we, we know that that, you know, when they ended the season, when, uh, when they tie or win the three-point line against their opponent, they, they, they ended up going 20-5 and five this year. When mm-hmm. they lose the three-point line, they end up going 13-34. and 34. So, yeah, that's a huge uh, issue for the Spurs team. But I, I've noticed this year, whenever they play any team that's, that doesn't uh, take a lot of threes, they, they do a pretty good job of either hanging in there or even winning that game because they, they, that, that deficit for them at the three-point line isn't, isn't as big of a factor. So, again, that'll be something interesting to watch. And then also, I think one other X factor is, we don't know what the Spurs team looks like with two days off. You know, they have not had right. this since, since the All-Star break. So we don't know, you know, how much, uh, you know, this could, you know, how, how much better, how much more, how much more could their, their defensive effort be, become, you know, closing out three-point shooters and, and communicating and rotating and all those different things that that energy has to deal with. Maybe we haven't seen that because we have not seen this team, you know, have two days off since uh, before the All-Star break. Did you have any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I mean looking at that time off, right? But it, but in, in that brief period that they that that uh, coming out of this weekend that they didn't have any games it was a very emotional weekend around the organization mm-hmm. because of the induction of Tim Duncan into the Hall of Fame and it's really easy and I, I think that maybe there were moments uh during this last weekend that the organization and the team kind of maybe got caught up in that a little bit and this is their opportunity to reassure fans that winning days aren't behind them, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's to carve their own chapter in this organization as 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 the previous chapter continues to close itself. It started with the retirements, and it's going to continue, uh, you know, through Timmy's uh, induction into the Hall of Fame, into most likely, you know, Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker finding their their them you know their way there too, and. Uh, this team has to show, you know, that we're here. Though this is your, this is this is a roster and a team and an organization to still be proud of. Enjoy the last twenty years, and you know they always cherish the, you know, those the two decades of success. But you know we're gonna we're about we're right on the cusp of our own is kind of the message they need to send to fans, and I think that it it can begin here. So those two days off, I hope that they internalized what it means to be a spur, what it means to be a part of this organization, what it means to play for a coach like Coach Popovich, as Tim, you know, highlighted in his speech. This is one of the greatest organizations in sports, not just basketball, but in sports to play for. And uh, you have an opportunity to go out there and, and be the dogs, you know, as DeJounte says, you're cut out for this or you're not, and, and show that, uh, you know, represent the name on the front of the jersey 
really well here and 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 um you know you've got a great stage to do this oh for sure for sure um let's look at some um some some last uh, lastly some player matchups and, and i really want to focus more so on defense here because again that's gonna i think that's gonna be an area where if the spurs are going to win this game it has to be that they played bit, bit, they have to have their best defensive game against memphis for this entire season right. if they want to pull that off so so i'm looking at the at the at the mat the primary and secondary matchups according to the nba's uh, matchup data and i'm going to go through the starters first and then um you know i'm just going to ask you on on what what kind of are you are you going to pay attention to most um so so as far as um uh Dejounte murray his, his the most players he guarded were were John Morant, um, uh, Jones, Tyus Jones, DeAnthony Melton, and Xavier Tillman. That was more so just probably switching off. Lonnie Walker got a lot of experience playing against uh, Dylan Brooks, uh, John Morant, uh, Tyus Jones, and Kyle Anderson. DeRozan mainly guarded Kyle Anderson, um, Brooks, Melton, and, and Brandon Clark. Keldon Johnson spent a lot of time guarding uh, Brooks, uh, Brandon Clark, and Kyle Anderson. And then uh, Jakob Pertl, um actually he guarded, it's funny, he actually guarded Gorgie Jang the most in all those games against <laughs> Memphis, but now they're on the same team. So anyway, besides, Go- besides Gorgie, Jakob actually spent more time guarding um, Valanchunas and, and Xavier Tillman. So I think the, the, the one player that we didn't mention here because he wasn't present for these games was um, Jaron Jackson Jr. So uh, do, you, do you think that Keldon's going to get Jaron Jackson Jr. as his matchup like he's been getting all the fours this year? And then also are, what other uh, matchups in terms of the starters right now uh, intrigue you on defense? Most likely, uh, it's going to be Keldon's assignment because he has the, mm-hmm. again, it's an athletic assignment too, um, to be able to keep up with, uh, you know, throw that big body around um, and hopefully draw a couple charges uh, because I think that Jaron's going to try to get to the hoop and, and I think that Keldon just has to kind of be smart about that one. Uh, the the match, my, I'm, I'm, my primary matchup that I'm watching for, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist i love post basketball so it's gonna be to, i want to continue to see how Jakob Pertl develops and i think that um a, a potential three game series here against uh valanchunas is uh, a great test to to see where he's at um how dominant he can be uh but it, it's gonna be the, the highlight matchup is going to be dejounte murray on john morant um, De- DeJounte has been an all NBA caliber defender before, and he's really going to have to tap into that uh, as this organization moves forward. And as he progresses to move forward in, in his career and his role with this team, um, and it kind of starts with, again, showing you can shut down one of the, the bright young talents at guard uh, in the NBA and especially in this division. Um, and a team that you're going to see a lot of because you're, if if these two teams are, are kind of close in trajectory, then you're going to be looking at maybe play-in games every year, or it could be eventually turn into a 4-5 a or a, a, even a 3-6 kind of a series. I don't think that this is – I think this is kind of the, uh, the beginning of, uh, of a pretty intense uh, rivalry going back and forth between the Grizzlies and the Spurs and – uh, DeJounte kind of having the opportunity to, to show the younger Morant um, a thing or two as the veteran is is going to be key uh, to, to the Spurs' success here in this series and moving forward. Yeah, I, I think that, that, that Murray-Morant one is also the most important in this game. But I also think that you know the help defense of the Spurs really, really needs to help out because that's kind of what Jaw does. He'll, either, he'll get a pick and kind of lose his defender and then you know be able to get into the paint and either hit those little floaters or, or dish out the three-point shooters or score at the rim. So I think that, that's going to be the biggest factor also uh, in terms of you know the help defense of Lonnie, of DeRozan, of Keldon, you know, helping out Yaka Pertl, you know, stepping up and, and trying not to give away uh, uh, you know as many close shots to the rim as possible too as well. So, so yeah, I think that that's a huge matter. 
matchup, especially there. Because basically, if you can take away Moran or, or have, make him struggle a little bit, you're going to really have a good chance against this Grizzlies team because he's, he's the main uh, creator for that team, just like DeRozan is for the Spurs, which we're going to talk about just here in the don't in a forget bit. about the perimeter. When two guys collapse on Moran, mm-hmm. one of them has to be ready to slide back outside yes, that's because why. even though they're not a volume three-point shooting team, mm-hmm. it, we give up a lot of wide open threes, <laughs> and, oh, if yes, they, yes. and if they <laughs> execute well on three point on wide open three point three uh, three point shots, and so uh, it, he's so fast, get yes. a body mm-hmm. in front of him, and then also be ready to switch off, and that's gonna be communication. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, just like you said there, you know that's that's the that's the tough part. Why it's, why it's so tough to take away Morant because you can take away his shot, but then you know he's going to be dishing out and getting wide open threes for his teammates, like you mentioned there. So yeah, that's something to watch. It's just you know defensively, how, how much can the Spurs step it up? As far as the bench, um, you know all these players do have a lot of experience, uh, except for one player whom I'm about to mention here. So Patty Mills had a lot of experience this year, uh, matched up against uh, DeAnthony Melton and Tyus Jones. Uh, Devin Vassell got a lot of minutes against Melton and um, Desmond Bain. Rudy Gay got a lot of minutes against uh, Brandon Clark and Kyle Anderson. And then Drew Eubanks got some minutes against uh, Desmond Bain. So I think that the one player, I don't know if Pops would give him minutes, but we talked about him earlier, is Gorgie Jang. The fact that Memphis now hasn't seen him in actual game against them this year, except for when he was their teammate, like in practices and stuff. So so Gorgie could end up be, uh, being pretty interesting. Are there, are there any matchups on the bench that you're looking for defensively from the Spurs? Uh, yeah, it's what kind of energy can can Drew bring when he comes into the game? Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that this this is an important, in my in my opinion, this is a, an important post game. You know, whether it, it's defending the drive or defending just the the, the post of uh, the post up in general, and so um, I think that it's important to see what what kind how how Drew an undersized center when you when you're going down from from Jakobertel kind of holds his own. Um, I, I think that's going to be key because they are efficient in the paint, as yes, you sure. as, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And then on the Spurs and on offense, you know, th- you know, th- their main attackers are um, you know, are DeRozan. Uh, uh, Dejounte Murray, Keldon Johnson, Lonnie Walker, the four. Those are their four main attackers. Now that Derek White's hurt, but the main player who I always hear coaches talk about, you know, in pregame is always going to be DeRozan. He's the main player right. that all of them have on their on their bulletin board that they want to try to to limit or stop. And so they think that if they can they can limit DeRozan's effectiveness, well then they have a good chance of beating the Spurs. And so in, in those three games against against the Spurs, the, the Grizzlies have always used as their primary defender Dylan Brooks. He's probably going to be the, the main matchup against DeRozan again here. And then if not, uh, Melton got some. some it, it's almost like uh, the the coach actually tried out different. Defenders against DeRozan as the secondary matchups. First in Game One, he tried out DeAnthony Melton against DeRozan. In Game Two, it was Kyle Anderson getting minutes against DeRozan, and then in Game Three, it was Desmond Bain. So you see that the Grizzlies have a number of players there. They want to throw out DeRozan. Um, what do you think about about uh, you know DeRozan uh, getting defended by these different players? I mean, the, the Spurs kind of go as Demar goes. He is the star on this team, mm-hmm. and 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 you haven't seen another truly reliable offensive threat outside of him. Um, it's going to be a tough task, but I think that what if if I'm Memphis, I think my my approach is maybe even let Demar do his thing and force the rest of the team to rise to the moment. Um, because the rest of them are so inconsistent. Yeah. Um, but but you, of course you have to monitor that, right? If you're going mm-hmm. to kind of, if you're going to let Demar go off and I'm not saying like have an absolute tear of a game because um, you, you can't let him be too far out of hand, but you also have to be smart with how you foul. You know, you, if, if you're going to let DeMar get to the basket already, let him go for two. Don't let him take an extra shot. 
um, because that's just going to uh, keep the Spurs in the game longer than they should be if you're Memphis. And so I think that would be an interesting a- approach, but it's uh, just because you only have to win one if you're Memphis. Yeah. Um, let Demar wear himself out. If you if you have to force the rest of the team to to beat you in game two, then 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 do that. I mean, I'm not trying. I, I don't say that you know, you know it's it's kind of dangerous when you decide to just give somebody a game. But um, the 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 Spurs team hasn't shown that anybody else is up to the task, um, and and so uh, I think that that you could see a handful of different options on Demar just to wear him out, frustrate him, get him ejected from the game. He's shown before too that that happens as well, where he just gets too frustrated um, and, and finds you know he he gets tossed. And so, um, yeah, I I think they've got an answer. You got three guys with experience defending Demar. Yeah, for sure. And I'm on. I'm, I'm also very interested to see if one of the Spurs' um, weaknesses kind of comes back to haunt them on offense. And that's when teams either play a lot of zone against them on defense, or they just completely back off the three point line and really shrink the paint and keep De- DeRozan out of getting in the paint, keep Dejounte Murray out of there, uh, Keldon Johnson. And so, so I'm wondering if Memphis is even going to take that approach as well of, of saying, you know, we're daring you to beat us from three. So let's see if you can really do it. So, so again, right. it'd be kind of see, it, interesting to see if if a defense if the defense does that to them. So and at that point, uh, Patty for, Mills has to have a great night. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Oh, no, for sure. Uh, yeah, so so before we close this out here, um, uh, don't forget to visit ProjectSpurs.com. We have a lot going on on the site. Um, uh, Rocky Garza Jr. wrote, um, you know, his latest piece is called Thank You to Tim, uh, you know, talking about Tim Duncan's um, mm-hmm. um, um, Hall of Fame ceremony. Steven Anderson will continue to keep you updated with, with recaps and analysis after each game. And then, Jonas, you had, a, you had an interesting piece last week um, called Looking at Lottery Picks and Why the Play-In Matters for Young Spurs. Can you just kind of give the, the listeners a little background on that piece? Yeah, uh, so obviously the Spurs fans don't want to be playing the Grizzlies every year uh, in a play-in <laughs> game or you know even just in a playing scenario um, as it is because you want to move the team forward. But there's there's really coming down the last month of the, of the season, especially after Derek White's injury, um, the the tank. Uh, uh, the the tank um, kind of committee came back out and they're like, all right, we should just go for a draft pick. We should just go for a draft pick. And <laughs> um, it got so fr- it gets so frustrating because losing is frustrating, um, and I understand that. But you don't. I don't think the the right answer is to compile that with more losing in hopes of getting a lottery pick. And so I decided to dive into the history, the recent history of lottery picks and how they've panned out for other teams that seem to take the tanking um you know mantra and run with that and of course you had the sixers a handful of years ago you trust the process we're getting number one picks every year we're drafting them in the lottery every year and uh we'll, we'll be good sooner or later and uh, it happened later <laughs> it did not happen sooner for the 76ers you know, they may be the number one team in the east now but that took two, you know three picks within the top three selections three within 10 years um, to be able to, and, and then even after that, it takes time. And then getting coaching and everything like that. Uh, you know, they had to combine Ben Simmons with with Joel Embiid and, and figure out how they the two of them work together. There's been off season talk the last handful of years about you know needing to offload one of them because they, they just couldn't work. Um, and so digging into it, you know, you've got organizations like the Lakers who who for a while there after Kobe had retired. Uh, found themselves in the lottery every year as well, and none of those picks are still with them. So that yep. rebuild, that, mm-hmm. that rebuild did not help them. Of course, part of that uh, was to acquire Anthony Davis 
uh, you know, combining him with LeBron James, and that equates to a title. So the model and everybody else is kind of following the old LeBron model of recruit your friends, superstars, and um, try to build just a dominant roster of guys who have been good within the last 15 years and and uh, and try to win a title that way. And it's not even working that well for the Lakers this year. It worked in a truncated, um, you know, bubble series after you take five months off in the in the middle of the season. Um it paid off for them last year, but and it's kind of working for the Nets now. And, and the Clippers situation is not going too hot. Um, and so there's this question of the you know of how to win a championship. How do the Spurs get back to relevancy? And and, and uh, lots of people like to bring up the uh, the Spurs success drafting the lottery. And of course, it's only happened three times in the last twenty years, uh, twenty plus years, and and. Two, two first overall picks came from that and David Robinson and Tim Duncan. And uh, there's this belief that you get back to the lottery and, and you're going to get that number one selection again and it's going to turn everything around. And I just don't it, – it's not going to happen. And when you look at the last 10 years of number one overall selections, it has not paid out for anybody outside of the Sixers. That's yeah, the, no, the sure. one team with Ben Simmons in 2016. Think of how – you know, the five years ago. Five years later, it's finally paying off for them. And even their, his first year with the team, they, they ended up with the, you know, he was injured and missed a lot of it. Uh, they ended up with the first overall pick again, got Markel Fultz. And what 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 did he become? You know, he's, he's, fine, yeah. he's kind of revitalizing his career uh, with Orlando. But uh, it, the Spurs just kind of need to stay the course. And, and what that means is it's important that you make this play-in series because the way to contend – in today's NBA, unless you have unless you have a LeBron James or a Kevin Durant who can recruit anybody who's anybody in the NBA, is going to be the Suns model. Um, they 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 sure they they end up with a lot of picks in, in the uh, higher in the draft, and they had DeAndre Ayton and the lottery selection and, and Devin Booker, and those are very attractive players. But I think that when you look across the board, the Spurs have guys like Keldon Johnson and Derek White who are of similar talents. They might not have the same draft grade, but the Spurs process has kind of developed them um, to be similar talents. And if if you can show that you're an attractive team that can contend, you may not be contending now, but you can contend, uh, then you're a piece away and whether that's trying to recruit somebody to a small market or kind of like the Suns had to do in terms of trading a lot of young talent to bring in that next star. And you look at the impact that Chris Paul has had on the organization. The Suns last year needed an eight-game uh, well, winning streak in, mm-hmm. the, in the NBA bubble to make the playoffs. And uh, you know Devin Booker had some really great performances, but that's what made... Uh, the organization believe, okay, if we go get a piece, we can plug this in, this this is going to work. This model is going to work. And they brought in some other veterans at that point. And so now as the Spurs veterans start to you know continue to unload, um, the Marcus Aldridge was the latest one, and, and again, Patty Mills and Rudy Gay may be uh, on that cusp, and even DeMar DeRozan may be, uh, may be in that, um, that group upcoming of, of, of veterans to get unloaded. The you the young team needs to show that you know, this team needs to show that there's there's youth here that can contribute to a mm-hmm. contender, and how do you, what, what better way to advertise that? The Suns took their opportunity in, in the NBA bubble, 
And the Spurs have their opportunity in this play-in series to advertise for the organization that they can either make the decisions and you know tell the front office, hey, if we gotta send a couple guys out to go bring somebody in who's gonna help it, you know, it take us to the next level, then that's what we've gotta do. Or um, even the outside shot of recruiting somebody to San Antonio um, to to work with this young team. That's how this team gets back to truly contending. You do they do need a superstar. They've got a lot of great pieces around, um, and I think that it's going to come. And this is just kind of projecting here. I think that it's going to come from a move. It's going to happen with a trade like the Suns did, and I think that's why Danny Ferry yeah. is in this front office. Um, that he when when he was with the Cavaliers, he moved pieces to get talent and contend for a title. You know, can at least make uh, a title run. He did the same thing with the Atlanta Hawks, and now he's uh, with San Antonio. Of course, he was with San Antonio there at the, at the end of the last decade um, in the in the twenty tens, and so uh, he's back again. And I think that we're going to end up moving some talent out of San Antonio and and bringing in a piece. And that's the way to do it. So tanking is not the way to do it. Uh, draft picks don't pay off. Check out the article. The numbers are there. The data is there. Uh, and, and the evidence is there. So can we please stop talking tanking basketball and appreciate and, and, and do what we need to do here in the playoffs, in the play-in series, win it, advertise for the organization, and let's bring in some new talent. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And that's, uh, that's again, that's why, um, you know, Jonas did a lot of good research in that piece. And he has, like he, he said, he has the data, he has the numbers there to, to, to prove exactly what, what everything he was saying there. And just, you know, my thoughts of, I just think of these teams that are really bad that have tanked for so many years, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, it's just like, wow, you know, you know, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't believe in that, that model either. And then also just, you know, I, I also, I also understand that, you know, the Spurs are going to be a very tough place to get a, a marquee free agent to come and sign like an all-star all NBA player. So I think that down the road, when they do, and they are ready to get back to that, that, that contention level, it's going to have to be through trade, where they're going to have to move some pieces to bring in a player that's going to help them get to the next level. So I think that that's you're, you're right on the right on the money there, uh, Jonas, in, in that case as well. So yeah, so definitely check out Jonas's latest piece again. It's called "Looking at Lottery Picks and Why the Play in Matters for Young Spurs." Um, also, make sure, make sure to check out Colin Reed's um, latest uh, Project Spurs Audio Extra. He's talking about um, the Spurs' chances of making it past the play-in tournament. So again, Colin more so looks at the odds and percentages of, of the Spurs moving on uh, pa- past the um, Grizzlies. And also, uh, you know, at the time, we didn't know who the matches were, but just basically moving for, for, uh, forward. And then also... Um, uh, Sabotage Wrestling uh, is also putting together an event. Um, it's called The Thrill of It All Live. It's on Sunday, June 13th f- at 5 o'clock p.m. at the Vibes Event Center in 1211 East Houston Street in San Antonio, Texas, uh, uh, zip code 78205. If you want more information, please visit sabotage-wrestling.com. Uh, we also are offering here on the Spurs Cast. Three, three winners are going to get two tickets uh, for, for um, a promotion that we're offering here for the Spurs Cast. So um, thanks again to Jonas for joining me here on the Spurs Cast and also to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.